This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.37 on this Wednesday morning, the 30th of September. You're listening to the SNM Show with me, Melissa, Julian and Ibrahim here in the studio with me. And today we're going to look at the issue of directors' liabilities. And the trigger for this topic is the Transmile case. And if you remember, in 2007, the Transmile founder and former CEO Gan Bun On and also the former executive director Qudin um, Muhammad, they were both charged for misleading leading Transmiles revenue. Um, and two days ago, the Court of Appeal upheld that decision where directors and CEOs can now be held liable if a corporate body is found to have committed an offence. So this is very interesting because we want to really explore the background in which uh, the, the, you know, the rise and fall of Transmile at a point in time, it was the darling of the stock market. The share price uh, went up a, uh, you know, a few fold and it also attracted uh, investors like Robert Kwok and post Malaysia, you know, such uh, august investors. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was discovered that uh, they were just fudging uh, the revenue numbers, telling investors. Uh, now, they were supposed to be a logistics, air logistics company, right? Mm-hmm. And they That's were telling right. investors that uh, they had all these planes when, in actual fact, they didn't. And then that represented, that triggered the fall of uh, the share price and the fall of Gambun An as, as a stock market personality. And uh, the rest is history. He, he went missing for a while, if I'm not mistaken. I right? think he yeah. did. He left the country uh, just to avoid uh, all the questions being asked. If not, uh, uh, shareholders were probably uh, very Scrutiny. angry and want want to uh, cause some harm to him, prob- possibly. I think this is this also begs the question. You know, darlings of companies like Transmile, as it were before, they they are always uh, you know uh, always loved to be loved. And uh, but but in recent days and months, we saw VW, for instance. Everybody loved VW. Uh, they were also brought into these things uh, of scandals and so on. And uh, you know, in fact, if you want to go further back, even Enron was one of them as well. So I, I guess <laughs> you know, I mean, to, to stretch back, you know. Uh, but the idea. Here here is that uh, I think the, the only lesson uh, that I can derive from this particular saga is that uh, you must never fall in love with a company just for the sake of falling in love with it. I think you have to put the directors to task. Every time a director is being asked uh, to, to take on a responsibility, they have to bear that responsibility with earnest and, and, and pure you know, uh, honesty on this one. So, so I, I guess today the question we are asking is uh, what kind of responsibilities uh, should directors have? I mean, these guys are paid uh, sometimes very highly and sometimes not. There are a lot of them around because they are professional directors and they play actually a very important role. Do they serve the interests of uh, the boss, the MD, the CEO or the major shareholder or do they actually also have to serve the interests of investors at large? Right. Well, I, that's one question I think we're going to look at. So not just what the response Responsibilities of uh, a director should be, but also using this case, um, is it going to lead to better kind of corporate governance? Right, I, when we hold directors accountable for any kind of um, offence that a company um, company makes, I mean, you're talking about sentencing. You're talking about whether um, the, any kind of sentencing, whether it be be you know a slap on the wrist or whether it be too severe, will that affect the supply and demand of uh, the pool of directors in Malaysia? Right, as, as I understand it, it's, it's not a very big pool to begin with. Yeah, it's not a big pool, but I guess uh, there are always people who would uh, step up to uh, rise up to the occasion if they are offered enough money for uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, after all, we are actually living. Uh, 
according playing according to free market rules. So if there are if there's not enough supply and if standards become more stringent, uh, then directors would come into the market and expand the supply of uh, directors. Also, the fact that if you actually have a more stringent roles uh, for the directors to play, then the question is: Would the performance of your stock price improve? Right? Okay. Would decisions that are being made improve? I know that uh, I actually interviewed someone on Breakfast Grill. Uh, not a few years ago and he was an academic who believed that directors had a very strong role to to play uh, even to the extent of believing that if directors had made the decisions and said the right things uh, the global financial crisis could have been avoided Wow, okay but you know, I mean I agree with you in some in some areas I mean, I think some directors have a higher level of care in certain industries where they, they probably need to pay a bit more attention and give lend that kind of knowledge um, to their directorship, right? But there are other industries, other sectors where directors of perhaps smaller companies, they probably don't lend that much to that dire- their directorship. That's right. But it, you know, one thing that needs to be noted here is that the executive role within the board of directors has also uh, must also be looked at. Uh, for instance, the banking industry in Malaysia, there is no concept of an executive chairman. So, for instance, we know we have a high-profile banking chairman, Datuk Sri Nazir Raza, is always in the news every week. He says something, but he doesn't carry that role of an executive chairman because Bainagara doesn't create or facilitate such roles. Uh, but in other areas or other industries, there is uh, the notion of, uh, of the concept of an executive chairman. Why is an executive chairman and non-executive chairman important? It's because it adds further responsibility towards the board of directors and this is exactly where we want it to be. Uh, uh, to, to hold the position of board of director, it's not just an exclusive position where you can get you know $5,000 a month. It's about bearing that responsibility responsibility. Right. So it's, it's all a question of checks and balances of influence to prevent yourself from being influenced uh, by the, uh, you know, the more powerful members of the company uh, and also provide some degree of independence. If you, I guess the role of a chairman is uh, to uh, chair the board of directors, mm-hmm. not necessarily manage the company. So uh, the board of directors will look at a lot more strategic issues and will look at questions of governance. We're also talking about the issue of accountability, right? So just how much accountability does the board of directors have? Does the executive chairman have? Um, if you're talking about having more, you know, more t- being having a, a higher level of care, that also corresponds with the higher level of accountability. Also corresponds with how much money uh, the the level the directorship fee, right? That's right. That's right. And and that's why they, they carve out these uh, board of director roles into sub board committees. So you have the remuneration committee, you have the audit committee, you have the uh, human resources committee, and so on and so on and so on. And while they have these, uh, you know, a large company may have let's say fifteen directors, which is you know a handful to 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 manage outright. Uh, but within these ten to fifteen. Uh, board of directors, they also have subcommittees to increase their level of responsibility. Say, for instance, board RAM committee would have the sole responsibility of managing the salaries of the executives, such as the CEO's salary, CFO salary, and if they go beyond or under, they are solely responsible within the group of directors. And I think that is a classic example of how responsibility within uh, the board of directors can be heightened uh, and improved further. Well, it's now 9.45 a.m. and more on the issues surrounding directors' liabilities and corporate governance coming up on the s show after this, BFM 89.9. 
Good morning. It's now 9.47am. Melissa, Ibrahim and Julian here on the SNM show. And we've been discussing the Court of Appeal's decision to hold directors and CEOs liable for a company offence. Is that fair? Is that not fair? What role um, should the independent director um, have in a company? I I think they uh, bear a very serious role uh, because I'm actually afraid that uh, a lot of conflicts happen and I'm afraid that uh, some of these directors are too beholden uh, to the most powerful person in the company, whether it be the CEO or the founder Mm. of the company. As we saw in the case of Transmal, could it perhaps be a case that some of these directors did not dare to speak up uh, because you're in the presence of someone who who is so powerful in the company, mm-hmm. right? And plus the fact that you're under their payroll, does that... Uh, are you just someone there to uh, tick the box, right? Or right. warm the seat or do you... Should you should you put your payroll at risk and and speak up um, and and you know become independent? I think uh, in the case of Transmal, uh, if you take the example of uh, the auditor, they actually did not Deloitte Touche at that time did not want to sign on uh, the accounts because they I, I suppose they didn't see the planes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. They didn't they didn't cite it. Uh, but you know, shouldn't. Wouldn't company directors be essentially, if you were to drill down to it, aren't they basically the managers of other people's money? I mean, they they should have that same kind of level of accountability and vigilance that um, how you would with your own money, right? That's exactly the point, Melissa, because um, an offence can be either fraudulently or maliciously done or due to lack of uh, uh, proper measures and governance, it was was, uh, uh, basically transgressed. Uh, But this is the concept of an offence. So in, in the concept of, say for instance, an accounting related problem, uh, a lot of them are not normally not not normally related to fraud. Uh, sometimes financial statements, they do give a wrong picture because of a flawed judgement that is applied, poor accounting practices and so on. And uh, this has been a, a number of series of problems with the uh, companies. In fact, AirAsia, for instance, was being uh, accused of having false accounting practices. Is that fraudulent? Is that just poor accounting practices? But whatever it is, uh, irrespective of whether or not it's fraudulent or otherwise, it is still an offence. And therefore, somebody has to pay the price of that uh, 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 offence being uh, being, uh, transgressed. Do you think that um, independent directors have any kind of impact on a company's share price, Jules? Yes, I I think that uh, just scouring around the internet, uh, it's hard to find a research that actually says that, hey, if you have a better board of directors and how do you measure a better board of directors, right? Then uh, (laughs) does that result in better share prices, better performing share prices? But I think this thing can be only assessed indirectly, intuitively, because if you have a board that doesn't check, let's say, the theft of money from the company, the theft of resources from the company. And if all these things happen in, in, in front of the eyes of the directors, then you can say that uh, those companies over the long term would actually underperform. But if you have companies that are actually uh, very transparent, uh, in fact, have very strong governance rules, uh, it would follow that uh, they would be focusing on the right thing, which is doing their doing their business well, right? Mm. So that that focus uh, of governance uh, is being actually checked by directors, and that 
possibly intuitively would result in uh, better share price performance. Mm-hmm. But it's not just directors, right? They're trying to increase, uh, well, the regulators are trying to increase um, accountability for everyone. I mean, we're, we're talking about even bankers are now being um, you know, being held accountable for what they say for IPOs, for That's instance. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, we saw a few days ago uh, the SE actually changed the law in response to uh, what are called info memos uh, that are given now by bankers when they try to raise money for bonds uh, that you cannot... Uh, just willingly put anything into the info memo and mislead investors. You've got to be careful uh, how you pitch your bonds, mm. how, how y- you should not be in a position where you just want to lure people to subscribe uh, to either the bond or the stock in your info memo. So they've got to be careful with what they say. That's right. Uh, this whole notion of taking responsibility off the boards, uh, the board of directors and sharing it with the executive members of the corporation is a long uh, debate uh, because after all, you do hold that position of uh, chief executive something, right? Either your chief financial officer, chief strategy officer, chief internal auditor and so on. You know, it bears a responsibility. It's not just a cool, you know, the, 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 <laughs> it's business not a title, card. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a title th- thing. It's 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 more deep than that. And the idea here is that are we ready to accept the role of, for instance, chief uh, uh, financial officer if we're not ready to pay for the responsibility or the errors that may account from that job? Well, I think it just goes back to that Transmile case, right? I mean, that was what uh, two thousand and seven, so what seven years ago when that first went went to court, and I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, now there's been a, a kind of a step up in regulatory control or a look at corporate governance, um, trying to make sure that there's one extra layer of protection for um, minority shelters for shelters in general, but. I don't know whether that pace is, is fast enough. In the past seven years, we've still seen issues of corporate governance in, in corporate Malaysia. Yeah, I think that uh, the law has to be applied uh, very uh, judiciously uh, because there is also the case that, uh, you know, the question that is being asked is whether the law uh, can go too far in penalizing a director, a director who was genuinely ignorant of uh, what was going on in the company uh, and facts were hidden from that director. Uh, the, the strength of the law can actually penalize the di- director unfairly. You know, that, that's the question of whether the such things uh, are observed by the law. That's right. But to, uh, to take that into context as well, and, and uh, Julian, as well as Melissa, you mentioned that these cases keep on propping up. I do see it as a positive light because that means the law is being applied. There is a governance over the law. People are actually policing the law. And therefore, we do see these cases propping up. The problem is when there is a law and there is no policing and there is no observation, there's no enforcement, no uh, crime exists. That is a qu- big question mark. So for these uh, type of matters, I do believe that there is a, something positive that can be taken out from this. You know, Jules, on your point about um, if, it, if the law is too strong, it might penalise direct directors, independent directors that aren't aware. Wasn't there a 1MDB in independent director who resigned because he wasn't getting the information that he requested? That's right. In fact, he wasn't even a director. He was an advisor. Advisor, but, okay. But there is a series of directors that did resign. The ex-CEO of uh, EPF, uh, Tansri Azlan Zainal, he, he resigned because he believed that he doesn't want to be a party to this and he resigned. So there is an outlet for innocent directors to just leave the, the firm. Yeah, so I, I'm still on the side of... Uh, heavy 
uh, penalizing, right? Uh, because I think that this, uh, we have been too lax with our laws and we have seen uh, all sorts of things being done in the uh, context of the Malaysian stock market. But there is uh, that rare case where uh, the director is amiss. Uh, it's, it's quite, and it's quite different from the situation uh, in 1MDB where they know what they don't know, mm. right? If, but if something is like completely hidden from the in- independent the director... The unknown unknowns. Mm. Yeah, the unknown unknowns. And, mm. and, and it finally crops up in some kind of scandal uh, then would that director be held responsible for it? It's 9.55 a.m. and you've been listening to the s Show on the morning run with Julian Ng, Ibrahim Sunny, and me, Melissa Idris. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.